Welcome back to our Holy Week podcast. Today's Tuesday, the day that Jesus kind of goes on the offensive, uh, and he gets into it with the religious leaders, and he kind of rips them a new one. It's pretty intense, some very intense, strong words from Jesus here. Um, and we're here in Matthew chapters 21 through 23 on Tuesday, so it's a little bit more of a than just a paragraph that we see on Tuesday. Uh, and up to this point, just for a little background, uh, he spent the last three years in the Pharisee world. He's been teaching them. He's been making some of them a little bit uncomfortable and angry here and there. Um, but we have to remember that this isn't the first time that he's interacting with Pharisees. Um, Pharisees were in most all of the areas that Jesus has been hanging out in the last three years of his ministry. But we find it interesting that after spending a week going after the people in power for a week, he ends up dead. Three years challenging the Pharisees and things are pretty much okay, but the second he gets into Jerusalem and it starts messing with the high priests, the Sanhedrin, then there's problems. So it's not that there's a religious issue as much as there is obviously a political power issue. It's like he's going around and he's going after all these little small fish in these small ponds um, throughout Israel. But this time, going into Jerusalem, he's like, it's time for the big fish, the big catch. I'm going for the big power play here. So for them, for the Sanhedrin, to just give context again, for, for this situation, it's just one big game of politics. It's one big game of politics. Jesus is showing up here not to call out Judaism, not to call out Israel, right? A lot of the people aren't, aren't being terrible, but to call out those who are in power. That's what he's doing on Tuesday. He's calling out those who are in power. That's why they set out to kill him. What happens here on Tuesday is one of the main reasons that they set out to kill Jesus on Friday. And you'll understand why that is once I read what he says to them. They're going to set out to kill him because their power is threatened by him. Because he's calling them out hardcore. And the people, they like Jesus. And so because people like Jesus... You know, they, the, the, the high priests have to be careful about how they're going to get rid of him. And that's why we see all the traps in these passages. We see the scribes and Pharisees are, are constantly trying to trap him in his words and, and try to get him uh, to not be so appealing to the people so that they can get rid of him and kind of damage his credibility. For the sake of time, I won't read all of these two chapters. It's a lot. But I encourage you to read all of Matthew chapter 21, verse 23, through chapter 23, verse 39. Um, that chunk right there is kind of the bulk of Tuesday. To get the full picture, I recommend reading all of that. But for this podcast, we'll just be reading chapter 23, uh, where Jesus delivers seven woes, these, these big, heavy, hard-hitting statements against the religious leaders, calling them out. And I think, I, I truly think that this right here is one of the main reasons that we see Jesus get killed on Friday. Starting in verse 1. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees, they sit on Moses' seat. Therefore, do whatever they teach and follow it. Okay, They teach the law, so follow it. But do not do as they do, for they do not practice what they teach. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on the shoulders of others, but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. They love to have the place of honor at banquets and the best seats in the synagogues. 
and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have people call them rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you are all students. And call no one father on earth, for you have one father, the one in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. All who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. And here are the seven woes. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you lock people out of the kingdom of heaven, for you do not go in yourselves, and when others are going in, you stop them. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cross sea and land to make a single convert, and you make the new convert twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, whoever swears by the sanctuary is bound by nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the sanctuary is bound by oath. You blind fools, for which is greater, the gold or the sanctuary that has made the gold sacred? And you say, whoever swears by the altar is bound by nothing, but whoever swears by the gift that is on the altar is bound by the oath. How blind you are, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And whoever swears by the sanctuary swears by it and by the one who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by the one who is seated upon it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint, dill, and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, and mercy, and faith. It is these you ought to have practiced without neglecting the others. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and of the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup so that the outside also may become clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside look beautiful, but inside they are full of the bones of the dead and all kinds of filth. So you also, on the outside, look righteous to others, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. And you say, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Thus you testify against yourselves that you are descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up, then, the measure of your ancestors, you snakes, you brood of vipers. How can you escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore I send you prophets, sages, and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues and pursue from town to town, so that upon you may come all the righteous bloodshed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Barakiah whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly, I tell you, all this will come upon this generation. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. A couple things that I want to take note of from this as we build out a something to reflect on. It's this idea of do as they say, not as they do. 
See, in this in this list of woes and this this harsh attack against them, he acknowledges their authority, but their lifestyle does not match. The word hypocrite um, in that time period it wasn't like a negative thing where it's like you know you're saying one thing but you're not living that way. Hypocrite actually meant actor. And he says so. The word didn't imply that they're they're being two faced, or but instead it implied that they're doing it as a show. Jesus is saying, you care more about your own name than the name of God. You care more about people calling you rabbi than you do about leading God's people. You tell people about the kingdom of heaven, but you have not gone in yourselves. And you stop them from going in. You tithe all these nice things, and and you're, you're great with your tithing, but you've neglected the weightier matters of the law like justice and mercy and faith. You've lost the heart. Jesus is doing a little bit of a reference to the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, uh, chapter 5, verse 8 through 25, if you want to go back and check that out. Um, But what's interesting is that Isaiah had six woes in that passage, but Jesus gave seven. What Jesus is trying to show here, seven is the number for completeness throughout scriptures. Jesus is trying to show them that they have completed what their ancestors started. What their ancestors began, shedding the blood of the prophets, like we see in verse 30, they are taking that to the next level. They've taken greed and self-righteousness to the next level, all the way to its furthest extent. And Jesus is saying, you are not only like them, you are worse than them. In verse 32, another translation might say, complete then the measure of your ancestors. All that your ancestors did, now complete it. I'm going to send you all sorts of people, all sorts of prophets and messengers, and you're going to flog them in your synagogues. You're going to kill all of them. You are not innocent. So what we need to be thinking about after reading this passage is how are we like the Sanhedrin? How are we like those people in power? How is our self-righteousness and pride getting in the way of the mission of God? In what ways are we thinking of ourselves instead of the Father? Whether we're teaching and preaching the truth or not, What does our life look like? Have we cleaned the outside of the cup, but not the inside, the part that matters? Have we polished our life and what people see and made everyone think that we are the best kind of Christian, but on the inside we're full of greed and self-indulgence and hate and pride? Are we like whitewashed tombs that are beautiful and put together on the outside, but inside are a bunch of bones, dead, unclean? Are you trying to show everyone that you're a certain type of person or a certain type of Christian, but on the inside you've been left completely unchanged, untransformed by the Spirit? Where your actions are right and beautiful, but your soul remains empty and dead. You might be tithing the right amount, but you've forgotten justice and faith and mercy. So think about that today on this Tuesday of Holy Week? What does it look like for you to repent, to turn away from your hypocrisy, your showcase of quote-unquote Christian living, and return to the heart of God that formed you in your mother's womb, to be completely changed from the inside out? I'm going to close with a prayer. Just kind of receive this prayer, and I'll put it in the show notes if you'd like to read it, uh, or maybe hold on to it. Lord, realign me with you. In the way that I view others, in the way I view you, 
in the way I view myself. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Teach me to rejoice in what makes you glad. You are my one rabbi, my teacher. You are my one father. You are my one instructor. So humble me. Clean me inside and out. Lord, realign me with you.